0: Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with EC Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings, and every episode, I have the privilege of having a discussion with EC on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out as a result, it's our goal to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. How are you, EC?
1: Wonderful. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm
0: fantastic. Thank you. Good to see you. We are going to to talk today about something I quite frankly and this not the first time this has happened but I have no idea what this is I've mm-hmm. never heard of this until you sent me the, the notes that this is what we were going to talk about the autoimmune protocol which right. sounds I don't know futuristic for some reason <laughs> I think just the, the word protocol sounds so let's 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 uh let's get into this um I think my first question is just around this phrase this idea of uh autoimmune right mm-hmm. um autoimmunity it's one of those words like immunity autoimmune like Well, again, it's just out there like I've heard it a 1000 times, but it might be worth uh, defining our terms before we get into what the protocol is. What the heck are we talking about when we say autoimmune?
1: Totally. Yeah, so I'm actually just going to take this from my immunology professor back in my master's uh, explanation of the immune system, but it's kind of on this constant surveillance surveillance. And it's really asking the questions, are you me? And are you
0: dangerous? Mm -hmm.
1: Meaning the I ask system? that to myself every morning when I wake up. <laughs> I also first thing in the myself. mirror. <laughs> are,
0: <laughs> are you, you me and <laughs> are you dangerous? <laughs>
1: yeah, sorry. So sorry. the uh, immune system, though, is trying to distinguish. You know, is this molecule, cell, tissue, whatever? Is it part of the human body, and does it have the potential to harm? And so, a, a key concept in immunology is this one of tolerance meaning that your immune system should be tolerant to your own tissues or maybe even the beneficial microbiota in our gut, for example. But on the other hand, it should have the ability to recognize viruses or harmful bacteria or faulty cells and sort of clear them from the body. And so in the case of autoimmunity, there's a loss of tolerance to self. So in other words, the immune system starts to attack one's own body's tissues. And there's actually more than 80 different autoimmune diseases. Some of the most common ones are type two diabetes, multiple sclerosis, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. And in terms of how common they are collectively as a group of diseases, they're relatively common, affecting three to 5% of the world's population. Now, what's interesting is there tends to be a split Um, where autoimmune diseases tend to affect more women than men. Now, not all autoimmune diseases split that way. But when again, when we look across kind of the umbrella group of them, I've seen a statistic that 80% of individuals with autoimmune diseases are women. Mm. And it's potentially because women have two X chromosomes and the X chromosome has many genes that are related to the immune system, which in some ways is advantageous in terms of having a more robust immune system. But then on the flip side, there's that greater tendency to maybe develop autoimmune with this overactive, you know, immune system. And so, you know, I think what gets a little bit lost in the mainstream press is about autoimmunity, because you'll just hear autoimmune, but remembering that there's this collection of 80 of them, and that there's these different manifestations of each of these diseases, you know, in type one diabetes, the problem is the immune system is attacking the beta cells of the pancreas. And so therefore, it's not producing insulin. And there's a loss of function there. Um, But then on the other hand, something like rheumatoid arthritis, the problem is in the joints those are becoming destroyed and damaged. And so with each of these different autoimmune diseases, there's specificity as to kind of what body part or system and function is really being affected. And so that really speaks to the fact that all autoimmune diseases aren't caused in the same way, hmm. nor will they be cured in the same way a la through a diet. Right. And so I just want to kind of draw a parallel to that hormone balancing podcast we did, because I think there's just this a little too much oversimplification kind of Especially once we get to disease and solution when when we're in social media, you know, in that hormone balancing podcast, we talked about the fact you can't just be like, oh, all of my hormones are out of whack, you know, (laughs) like one's high and everything else is just out of balance, too. Mm Instead, it's just this way higher level of specificity. You know, it's what's the hormone, what's the level, what are the symptoms, and then we can figure out an appropriate treatment plan from there. And so similarly with autoimmunity, there's the specificity here. People who have type 1 diabetes are not following the treatment protocols for lupus. They don't work, right? So we really have to understand that these are very different diseases. And remember that, especially when we start thinking about how diet might be applied here.
0: Okay, so jumping to the 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 autoimmune protocol, then sounds like, based on what you just said, that this is um, a diet, if that's the right way to put it, that is attempting to maybe on ma on en- um, mass fix autoimmunity. Is that roughly close?
1: Totally totally yeah it's a mainstream diet approach um, largely kind of almost a subset within the paleo community okay and I, I don't know that I have you know the originator or something like that from what I can track down both just general online as well as a little bit cited in PubMed it seems that a lot of it can kind of be tracked back to recommendations from Sarah Ballantine she's also known as the paleo mom on the internet now she is not an MD doctor from her website she has a PhD in medical biophysics which is certainly impressive. Um, but it is important to point out that is not a nutrition, you know, a PhD in one area doesn't make you an expert in all areas, nor does an MD make you an expert in nutrition, which we've mm-hmm. seen before. Um, but anyway, from her bio, she's, um, according to her, she's lost 120 pounds and reversed her Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is autoimmunity of the thyroid by a paleo diet approach. And then this sort of autoimmune protocol within that that she's refined over the years. And so basically the diet, this autoimmune protocol is a more extreme elimination diet than paleo. And this is from her ebook. These are the things that you would remove on the autoimmune protocol, grains, legumes, pseudo grains, which would be like quinoa and rice, dairy, refined and processed sugars and oils, eggs, especially the whites, Mm. nuts, seeds, including cocoa, coffee, and seed based um, spices, Nightshades, which again are things like potatoes, peppers, eggplants and tomatoes, potential foods that might cross-react with gluten, which I think we've pretty much listed all of them, but I guess that's there too. (laughs) Alcohol, the drugs NSAIDs, so like ibuprofen, all sweeteners, including stevia, and all food additives like dyes and
0: emulsifiers.
1: So... Yeah, there's a, it's a you're well,
0: you a just took probably, away my entire breakfast, eggs, <laughs> coffee, and coffee. alcohol. I don't know yeah. what else I'd start my day with.
1: <laughs> Gone. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess this is kind of this major um, uh, end state of whatever we think about when we think about a clean diet, yeah, quote, clean yeah. diet, right? And so according to the ebook, an individual can remove all of these at once, or they can remove them in a staged approach. And then they do this reintroduction and that reintroduction needs to be staged and controlled. And again, according to the book, it's best until you quote, feel amazing and quote, to reintroduce these foods. And that should be at least three to four weeks. And then you reintroduce one food at a time, one every, let's say five to seven days, and then quote, your decision should be based on how good you feel and how much improvement you're seeing in your disease end mm. quote. Okay, that, that bothers me. We're going to come back to it. But that is sort of the overview of what the autoimmune protocol is and how it's supposed to be applied according to this ebook.
0: Okay. So before we get into what you just hinted at, uh, <laughs> evidence that it works or mm. evidence that it doesn't work, like where where do you yeah. land on that or where can we <laughs> land on that?
1: So I think largely this is another one of those cases of the passionate hero's journey that we've talked about before. You know, not only does she have this radical health transformation in terms of her autoimmunity, but she also has weight loss, which just makes it so much more powerful from a marketing perspective. Now, the ebook, um, it's quite long, but I didn't actually see any references in it. It's got a lot of recipes in it. Um, She references, I think, one of her paleo books for the science, but I wasn't going to purchase that. So on to PubMed I went. And from what I could see, I found about two really main studies specifically looking at the autoimmune protocol diet and, you know, autoimmune diseases and their outcome. So the short of it is not a ton of convincing evidence. So these studies, the links are in the show notes. The first is a study of 16 women with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. They followed the autoimmune protocol for 10 weeks. Now we have to remember that these weren't metabolic ward studies. So there's going to be some variability in compliance, of course, and also 16 women. It's, it's a really small study and something else with the, with this is that there was no control group, which is Not good. Now, what they found, though, was quite interesting, despite those limitations. In terms of self-reported quality of life, there was a large and significant improvement. So they had marked improvements in like their physical role and their emotional role and their general health scales. So overall, the individuals were feeling better, which is great. But then on the flip side, in terms of their thyroid function, there was no difference in the thyroid markers. So this really highlights what we've talked about before, you know, there is this benefit of feeling better. But is that just because they're eating more nutrient dense foods? And does that actually change their autoimmunity? And in this case, there was no change on the thyroid function. So this is where we You know, have to be really careful on just using feeling better as our metric, um, which is something that the autoimmune protocol ebook suggests to use, right? And I always like to remind people: of course, I'm I'm thrilled people are feeling better, but when somebody's thyroid function is the same, you wouldn't want somebody, for example, going off thyroid replacement um, because emotionally they're in a better spot, right? And this is why we have these different ways to measure disease and progress and function. And we have to make sure that we're checking in with them and not just going based off of feeling better. Now, the second study, this one looked at IBD or inflammatory bowel disease. Um, Again, small study, 15 people. Again, no control. So, same as before, not really great from a rigor or scientific rigor perspective. They did this elimination phase for six weeks and then they maintained the autoimmune um, protocol for five weeks. Now here they had a very good outcome. 11 out of the 15 individuals got their disease in remission, which is awesome. That's an awesome outcome. But again, we have this issue that there was no control. So we have to ask ourselves, was this just the placebo effect? You know, were they told this diet will heal your autoimmunity? And so it was that belief that what is what healed them. The other thing in this study is that they did also receive supplementation with iron and vitamin D, which might be deficient in populations that have less than ideal functioning of their GI tract, right? So again, it's really hard to tease out in a study like this, what was the reason for improvement? We can't say, right? And so certainly larger, um, more research needs to be done to be conclusive here, but even if this study was airtight, you know, even if this study had no weaknesses, you still wouldn't want to make the leap to all other diseases, all other autoimmune diseases, just because it may be effective in IBD.
0: Right, and maybe the the broad autoimmune protocol wouldn't make. Maybe might make sense for one of them, but perhaps totally. not for the forty seven other ones or whatever. Totally. So then that kind of leads me to think: is is there any clear clear um, line between or link between diet and autoimmunity, again, just kind of like broadly speaking, mm-hmm. can we, is that something that you say that we can say like, okay, here are all these autoimmune issues and diet is the solution to them? Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely don't want to think that there's no influence. I wouldn't say even in light of those studies that we should throw out the idea that diet could play a role in some cases or in some ways. Right. And so there's certainly, um, an area of ongoing research for sure. And it should be. So I'm not trying to put down the idea. And we have a clear example of where it is very much a role and that would be celiac disease, Mm -hmm. right? And and celiac, that's the gluten uh, protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. And of course, the person has to have genetic susceptibility, but that's once they are exposed to gluten, that triggers the immune system, which then causes uh, damage to the lining of the small intestine. Typically we see some GI effects like diarrhea, but then more problematic would even be like lack of absorption. So therefore nutrient deficiency. Now, what's interesting is those who have celiac do tend to have a higher incidence of other autoimmune diseases, like kind of they cluster to have an increased frequency of something else. And so there is also this interesting case where there could be people who have undiagnosed undi- celiac because that happens as well. And then they also then have another autoimmune disease. And so they go gluten-free And they see some improvement in their symptoms, but not necessarily in the symptoms that were non-celiac related, related, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we see in the literature. I've got, again, the links in the show notes, but there's not clear, strong evidence um, in placebo-controlled trials to recommend gluten-free diets for things like multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's, psoriasis, and type 1 diabetes, that the person would have to have the celiac component for that gluten-free diet to be effective. Now, I did actually find a recent controlled diet for rheumatoid arthritis. Um, In this one, though, it happened to remove gluten, meat, and all dairy. So the trifecta there, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just looking at gluten-free. And they did find an alleviation in joint swelling um, that was independent of weight loss, which is quite interesting. But again, because of this combination elimination diet, we don't actually know, was it just the gluten? Maybe it was the dairy. What was it? And it was only 28 people. So, of course, we need to do more work there. Um, and of course, like we just kind of mentioned, there's so many more, there's 80, more than 80 of these autoimmune diseases. So we're far from thinking that, you know, gluten is going to be the solution for everybody or that, you know, diet is not going to be a part of the solution for anybody. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. probably going to be some gray area here, not gray area, but a, a a whole spectrum of how diet could be implicated in different ways for all of these different diseases.
0: Got it. So let's back to the autoimmune protocol specifically, are there, uh, potential dangers to it? Mm. Or is it one of those things that if you happen to be in this position, give it a shot, because maybe it will do the thing that you hope that we hope it, it does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have an autoimmune disease, so I can't say that I know how hard it is or how frustrating it is to have these symptoms that would really interfere with quality of life, health, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and, certainly I've tried some odd diets. So in some ways I'm just like, sure, you know, try and see, even if you get the placebo effect, I mean, yeah. even if the placebo effect put those um, people with IBD into remission, I'm, I'm, they are happy about it. Right. And I think we've kind of discussed, there is some potential value there. Um, I think that we also just have to be really aware of the potential downsides, you know, if you are going to do this, try and see approach, cause why not? We don't have time to wait necessarily for all the double blind placebo control trials to be done and everything. Yep. Um, I do think you should talk to your MD doctor, get their opinion about it, because they're certainly going to be, um, well-versed in the literature, uh, about the disease that they're specializing in. And I would also talk to a nutritionist as well. Um, you know, besides some of these unnecessary neuroses that I think develop when we go on these extreme elimination diets, we also just have to be aware that we could be developing a nutrient deficiency. You know, when you remove meat, you tend to have less chances to get enough iron in B12, for example. When you remove dairy, you have fewer chances to get enough calcium. And so this is where talking to a nutritionist can certainly come into play. And I just find that, you know, with these elimination diets, it's a little bit ironic because people are doing this for their health, but they very well could be in a worse spot because of all of the foods that they've eliminated and, and made some nutrients less accessible, essentially. Um, but I think... I think the real harm here is some I'm sort of continued perpetual belief that I see that, you know, you're not doing the diet right if it's not working or mm. that, you know, even this belief, maybe it is that you should be able to heal everything naturally. And it's yeah. just no, you know, you can't. There's some really... Um, disturbing, crazy, I don't know, online advice about curing and treating diseases. And at best it's silly, but at worst, I think what happens is someone thinks they're doing the diet wrong or that this is the best answer when really conventional medicine may be the best answer and may actually provide them treatment for what, for their condition. And just as a kind of interesting Side story, um, two years before I did my TEDx talk, I did this talk in Boulder called Ignite, which is like a bunch of slides in five minutes and Mm. super short. Um, And of course, I talked about nutrition, no surprise there. (laughs) But one of the speakers, she was talking, I don't know if it would be called health shaming. I, I don't know what to call it, but she had rheumatoid arthritis and just was speaking to the fact that it was she was almost shamed into feeling bad about taking prescription drugs. And everyone would tell her, Oh, you just need to cut out gluten, or you just need Mm -hmm. to remove this from your diet. And I can't believe you're taking these prescription drugs. That's part of big pharma and all of that stuff that we hear. And so I just, you know, that's, I think some of the biggest harm from this stuff is this natural is always better focus. It's like, we have to, no, no, we're focused on improved quality of life for people. Not, not that my idea of natural is best. And, you know, I just, again, always like to kind of remind people that conventional medicine intervention is a good thing and we should use it when it is the right thing to do. And so just going back to what I said about the autoimmune protocol ebook that I didn't like, you know, people are supposed to cut all this stuff out of their diet and they're supposed to wait until they quote, feel amazing to add the foods back in. And the sentence after that one says, quote, generally, the longer you wait, the more likely you are to be successful, Mm. end quote. So, you know, what about the people where the diet will not in fact cure their disease? What are they left? I don't even know what they're left eating. I mean, <laughs> well, after that list that we read off, right? I mean, what do they got, like lamb and kale or something? Um, so you have to remember the quality of life of that issue, too. I mean, not only these neuroses, but also potentially no alleviation of their symptoms, wondering what they're doing wrong, when in fact they're doing nothing wrong, except potentially not seeking conventional medicine cure. Um, care because they believe that this is the only way to fix what they have right and you know i always like to remind people that i think there's huge value in eating whole unprocessed foods i'm not trying to say that people won't be better off from a general health perspective trying to shift their diet this way but we just have to be really careful to also suggest that it's going to be therapeutic and especially in all cases
0: Mm. is there um, is there a, a relationship, or maybe even just confusion around auto, autoimmune diseases and what we kind of just would refer to as chronic diseases? Like, because mm. to me, I can almost see the the confusion between those two things. And if that confusion exists, the emphasis on well, you can fix it, quote unquote, mm. fix it with food or stop doing that thing, do this thing instead, right? Because there is an element of of not again, it's not cut and dry, not black mm-hmm. and white, but there is an element of kind of the chronic disease that we often see so much of that is lifestyle mm-hmm. related. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people, maybe some people aren't understanding that that's maybe not what an autoimmune disease is. Mm.
1: Yeah. No, there's a huge parallel there, um, largely because these are going to be chronic conditions as well. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, if you can remove the trigger in the case of celiac, then sure. But there's going to be other times when we can't remove the trigger for whatever reason. And so it will be a chronic condition where the individual will have to use, for example, in rheumatoid arthritis DMARDs, um, these disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs, to help alleviate the condition and protect their joints in the long term. And so it will be something that they're chronically managed. So for sure, I can see that parallel there uh, very clearly. Mm.
0: Got it. Um, any resources that you, uh, that you maybe would point people towards or anything that if somebody was in this position, they, they have, they know somebody, are there resources that are maybe perhaps Mm -hmm. of, of higher value than, than this particular one that we kind of talked through today? Yeah. Or is it simply, is it simply go talk to your doctor and and as you said, and a nutritionist?
1: I think it is because again, I think it's it's reminds me so much of um, cancer. It reminds me so much of what we talked about on the hormone balancing podcast yep, yep. that I think these get lumped into big umbrellas on social media. It's just like cancer. And it's like guys, there's lots of different types of right. cancer that right. have lots of different treatments because there's huge specificity there. And so same thing. It's like I was looking up papers on you know multiple sclerosis. Well, they have different trials in terms of diets than what have been done for of course celiac and of course you know type one diabetes. And so this is where you want somebody who's an expert in the field because they're going to be looking at their disease specific literature versus, you know, trying to know all 80 autoimmune diseases. Um, And so I don't know of one in the mainstream, you know, even going to the literature on PubMed, I would say that the literature is... um, relatively new or Mm. still quite developing in the sense of nutrition's effect and if there's any really therapeutic effect of nutrition so i would certainly first start with my md doctor and again i like to remind people that i i understand the system's not perfect there are going to be better and worse doctors that you talk to but i do think kind of continuing along those qualifications um is a a good first step versus maybe a general mainstream you know diet book
0: makes sense to me okay thank you ec thank you everybody out there for listening thank you for leaving us some ratings and your and some reviews and for sharing the show with friends it always helps uh to have new folks find the show so thank you in advance ec and i will be back next week for another episode of the consistency project
1: thanks as always for tuning into the show i'm sure at this point you've heard me talk about the 800 gram challenge and lazy macros But if you're not really sure what they are, or you want to get started on them with a little bit more guidance, I wanted to let you know that I have eBooks on both of these programs. And these eBooks are not just some nine or 10 page document that you flip through in a couple minutes. Instead, they are a comprehensive resource, not only for the why behind these methodologies, but also the how. So you're going to get answers to questions like, does the glycemic index matter? Or why is protein good for health? as well as tips and strategies, like how do you make the day successful? And what do you do when you go out to a restaurant? What are some meal ideas? These eBooks have it all. So head on over to optimizemenutrition.com slash 800G for the 800 gram challenge or slash lazy macros for the lazy macros eBooks. The links are also in the show notes and you'll get a bundled discount for both. Again, it's optimizemenutrition.com slash 800G or slash lazy macros to get started. One final note, both the 800 gram challenge and lazy macros are registered trademarks. So if you're looking to run a challenge at your gym or with a specific group or a corporate wellness program, contact me through my website or at info at optimize for your options.